Good morning. Thank you, guys. That was fantastic. Good morning, family. I am so honored to be up here today. Those of you expecting Adam, uh, well, you got team, you got plan B up here today. And that's okay. Uh, before I get started, I want to thank my wife for this uh, past week. She has been so supportive, giving, uh, has listened to some, uh, some outrageous ideas, and uh, has just uh, given me a, a full, clean slate and has just let me work on this. And I'm sure that uh, starting uh, this afternoon, I'll have a list about a mile long to get completed, to catch up. And that's okay. But, you know, coming up here, I'm very thankful that uh, we are in a church that we believe that the elders should be able to preach, to teach, to impart God's Word. Like Adam was saying earlier, you know, we do these things so that you can do them also. And I'm very thankful for that. This has been a week where it's been quite chaotic in my heart and my head, and yet God has provided me clarity. It's like, for me, it's like going to the beach, and you feel the beckoning of the water, and you, you, you go out into it, and you feel it get deeper and deeper and deeper, and the next thing you know, it's way above your head, and yet you're calm. You, know, you don't even know how deep it is beneath you, but you welcome it. And you dive down into it and see the beauty as things are, are uh, realized to you. And that's very much like going into God's Word. It's deep. Because when I looked at this uh, passage at first, I'm like, ooh, there's just not a lot there. And boy, am I ever wrong. There is so much there, and it's uh, so full of God's love and God's providence that is just amazing. So before I get started here, Let's go ahead and bow our heads in prayer one more time. Our Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, we praise your name, for you are worthy. You are worthy of every praise, Lord. And I pray that everything that we do, everything that we say, that everything we participate in points to you and to your glory. That we remember who and what we are, what we're made to be. That you have called us to you, that you have collected us and have redeemed us. Lord, I pray that our hearts are not hardened like Pharaoh's, but uh, like Lydia, that uh, you uh, have opened them up to receive your word, to hear what you have to say. In your name I pray, amen. So I'm going to recap real quick. We are doing the plagues in Exodus, and we've already started uh, the first one, which was when uh, Moses and Aaron met Pharaoh by the river and turned, uh, uh, God turned the, the Nile to blood. Uh, their magicians tried to replicate it. They could, but they couldn't make it go away. And so Pharaoh's heart is hardened, and the, the Nile remained blood for seven days. So we're going to continue on after that with the next plague. And in cha uh, chapter 8 of Exodus, we're going to read the first what is it, 15 verses. 
you have your Bible, your device, you can swipe to it, or you can read it along with us here on the screen. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague your, all your country with frogs. The Nile will swarm with frogs that shall come up into your house and into your bedroom and on your bed and into the houses of your servants and your people and into your ovens and your kneading bowls. The frogs shall come up on you and your people and on all your servants. And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the canals, and over the pools, and make frogs come out on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts, and made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and my people, and I will let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, Be pleased to command me when I am to plead for you and your, for your servants and for your people, that the frogs be cut off from you and your house and be left only in the Nile. And he said, tomorrow. Moses said, be it, be it as you say so, that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frog shall go away from you and your houses and your servants and your people, and they will be left only in the Nile. So Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried out to the Lord about the frogs as he had agreed with Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. The frogs died out in the houses, in the courtyards, in the fields, and they gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, respite, he hardened his heart, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. So here we go. Let's set this up. Uh, God tells Aaron and Moses to go to Pharaoh inside his uh, courtyard and uh, to plead with him again to let the, his people go. And if he didn't, he would bring frogs. That doesn't sound really intimidating, does it? Frogs are just frogs. But God knew what he was doing. So when Pharaoh did, did not let people go, his, the people go, the frogs came up out of the Nile, out of the ponds, out of the reeds, and got a little personal with them. They came up into their house, onto their bedchambers, onto their beds, into their ovens, into their bowls, into everything, their drinking water, their food they ate, everything had frogs. And what's really peculiar about this is the Egyptians, they worshipped the frogs. They were considered a sacred animal. They had a deity named Hakit that had the head of a frog. And because it was divine animal, they couldn't step on them. They couldn't squish them. They couldn't kill them. So here their houses are full of frogs and their beds 
in their clothes, in their ovens. They can't cook. They can't kill them. They can't even really walk anywhere because they'd have to shuffle. Because if they stepped on one, that would be against the law. That would be uh, against the, their, their deities. So this is God directly confronting the Egyptians on a spiritual level also. And that way, sorry, lost my notes here. Anyway, so that he, this is God confronting them on a, a spiritual level, also not just a physical level, so they can, it, it hits them a little closer to home. Now, the Pharaoh's magicians, again, were able to make frogs come out of the, the river, out of the Nile, and on, but they couldn't make them go back. This was, uh, this is something that, uh, uh, you know, anytime that we try to replicate what God does, we just really can't do it. We just don't have the power. No one has the power except God. And then, so Pharaoh had enough. Pharaoh, Pharaoh had enough of this, and he instructs Moses and Aaron to come back, and he pleads with them his case that he wants them to go before God and uh, ask that the frogs be taken away. And it's really interesting because Moses says to him, be, uh, when would you like for me to do this? Be pleased to command me when to do this. And he did that not so much that Pharaoh would think that uh, he had control over this, but he wanted Pharaoh to see that it was God had control. Even though he could appoint the time, it was God that was getting rid of the frogs. And so when he said tomorrow, Moses went out and, and pled his case, and the frogs were gone. They died right where they were. And there were so many dead frogs, the whole land stank. But Pharaoh again hardens his heart, just like the Lord had told Moses he would. By, by uh, letting the frogs come up and uh, do what they did and died the way they did, it really proved God's power because it was the evidence of his power because there's no other way that this could have been done. Only through God and because God brought the, brought the plague and he took the plague away. And again, uh, just as uh, the Lord has said, Pharaoh hardened his heart and decided not to let his people go. So, we go to the next plague. And we'll read again in chapters uh, 8, verses 16 through 19. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your staff, strike the dust of the earth, so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth, and there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. And the magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast, 
And the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. So the Lord goes to Moses and Aaron and gives them instructions. But this time, they didn't even go to Pharaoh. He just did it. The first time, for the first plague, they met Pharaoh at the river. The second time, they went into his courtyard. And the third time, they didn't meet with him at all. This is a pattern that we're going to see for the uh, plagues one through nine, just like this. The first one, second one, third one. We're going to meet at the river. We'll meet in his courtyard. We just won't even tell him about it. He'll figure it out. So it's, it's, that's just a little interesting piece there that there's a pattern how God brings the plagues. Uh, there's, no, there's no Moses and Aaron in front of uh, Pharaoh, and there's no Pharaoh pleading for the intervention. And Aaron strikes the ground, and the dust becomes gnats. Living here in Arkansas, one of the bangs of my existence are the biting gnats that you just can't see. I, I can remember my mother, who is, who is Mexican, going outside and just going, oi, 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 you know? And I'm like, oh, that's just so silly. And now every time here as an adult, I go outside, I'm, oi, 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 oi. <laughs> and yeah, it's, you know, being your parents sometimes is not the best of things. Can you imagine dust rising up as gnats? That's kind of a really frightening thought. But here, that's what happened. So the gnats were so plentiful, they were in their ears, they were in their eyes, they were up their nose, they were in their mouths. They bugged the people, they bugged the animals. A really interesting piece on this is the Egyptian priest had very strict cleanliness laws they had to follow. And because of the gnats, Becoming in, they become infested with the gnats. They could not do their jobs as priests. So they couldn't even go in to ask their deities to fight the Jewish God. So God kind of put, he's, he's showing he's the one with the power, not them. And the, the magicians could not replicate the gnats. In fact, they called it the finger of God. I really like that. The finger of God. I did a little studying up on that. And I found three other places that uh, it talks about the finger of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 10, it talks about the Ten Commandments written by the finger of God. And then in Luke eleven twenty, Jesus has driven out demons. And he refers to the finger of God. If he drives out demons by the finger of God, that means that the, that the kingdom of God is here. And then my favorite story, because as a child I remember this on the flannel board in Sunday school, King Belshazzar in Daniel 5, with a hand coming down and, and writing on the wall, pronouncing his doom because of his rebelliousness and his, uh, his arrogance before God. The power that is shown here because of the gnats and lice everywhere 
again, shows that they had no control over this. That is the Hebrew God. It is God that is controlling the plague, that is bringing it and taking it away. And still, Pharaoh's heart hardens, just like the Lord said. Which leads to the next plague, which is the fourth plague. And we're going to read about that from verses 20 through the end of the chapter, verse 32. And here we are. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the... I'm sorry. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water and say to him, Thus say the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people and into your houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with the swarms of flies, and also the ground on which they stand. But on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, where my people dwell, so that no swarms of flies shall be there, that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Thus I will put a division between my people and your people, and tomorrow this sign will happen. And the Lord did so. And there came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses. Throughout the land of Egypt, the land was ruined by the swarms of flies. I'm just going to stop there for a few minutes. So we see the repeating pattern. They meet Pharaoh down by the river and they ask for him to let the people go. And if he does not, there will be a judgment by God. And sure enough, he doesn't let them go. So God, and it actually just says in the original Hebrew text, swarms. So he sends swarms of in insects. It wasn't just flies. It was uh, other insects as well, including uh, the scarab or the dung beetle. And that, because the flies would bother the people and the beast, but the land was ruined by the other bugs. And then another interesting part, this is also God has separated his people from the, from the Egyptians. All these other plagues have affected everybody. And now God is saying, nope, these are my people I'm going to save them from this plague, and it's only going to affect you and your people. Again, showing his power that this is, this is his doing, and nobody else's in any other way. And so he sends these swarms, and in, in, in Amplified on verse 24, it says, I really like the way it says it, he sent a heavy and oppressive swarms and that the land was corrupted and ruined by these. Think about that. You know, the gnats were pretty bad. The frogs were pretty gross. But these swarms of bugs, they're just bugs. But here they are, and they're taking over everybody's lives, but God's people's. 
Let's continue reading here. Then Pharaoh called to Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God within the land. But Moses said, It will not be right to do so, for the offerings we shall sacrifice to the Lord our God are an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice offerings abominations, abominable to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? We must go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he tells us. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go to, the sacri- to sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you must not go very far away. Plead for me. Then Moses said, Behold, I am going out from you, and I will plead with the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. And tomorrow, only let Pharaoh, only let not Pharaoh cheat again by not letting the people go to sacrifice the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord did as Moses asked and removed the swarm of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let his people go. So Pharaoh had enough of the flies, of the bugs. And he pleads with uh, Moses again to go to God and state his case. But he did it with a little caveat. Uh, Y'all can stay here make your sacrifices. Kind of doing the, the let's make a deal game show there. And Moses didn't agree with that. He knew he knew what was going to happen, and God t- told him exactly what needed to happen, and that was for his people to be let go. And he knew that everything that was happening was leading up to what God had had told him before about leaving Egypt and going to their own homeland. Here is Pharaoh trying to resist God's commands. Pharaoh still sees himself as a godhead. You know, Pharaoh was considered a deity. And he was not about to let that deity ship go. So he goes to... They they go and they plead his case. Uh, God God takes away the, the, the insects. He lets them go. Pharaoh, of course, hardens his heart. He's not gonna. He's not gonna do what he says. We know that. We know this because God has already said that He's gonna harden his heart, and that God is going to have to show His power, His might, His glory, for this to happen. Let's put a. Let's tie these three uh, things up. The fro- the frogs, the gnats, and the flies. Do you have these in your life? I look at these, these plagues, I see sin. And I look at it, and it makes me think about my own life. You know, we all have sin in our lives. They're in our homes. They are personal. They're in our bedrooms. They're in our everyday, uh, everyday living. And they may not seem like a lot but they're still turning our back on God and the hardening of our own hearts. 
they swarm on us like the gnats, going to what can seem to be an unfathomable amount on you, pressuring you. And like the flies, their sins are heavy and oppressive. They're called, they're, they're ruining our very lives, our very testimony to where they are corrupt. How can we escape this? How can we escape the sin in our lives? We just can't. Like Pharaoh, we, we have no control over them. In Exodus, in verse 22, it said, I will sit apart the land of Goshen, where his chosen people had lived, and that he will create a division between my people and yours. You know, the Hebrew used for that word division, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. The root word for that is the same root word for the word redeemed. God redeems his people. And that's how they were saved from the plague. And in fact, that's how we can be saved from our sins. Through his redemption, his redeeming of our lives by us realizing, recognizing He is God, and we desperately need Him, and we can call out to Him, and we can become His. We can become His people. You know, our lives are... Today tells us that uh, our lives are our own and we need to be true to ourselves. You be you. I say no. Don't you be you. You be God's. And it's only through God that we can be counted righteous, that we can be saved through the blood of His Son on that cross. He did the things that we could not to pay for those sins. So that we don't have to be oppressed and heavy burdened. So that we can find a new life that is not corrupt. And find that life in Him. Praise God for that. Because I, I myself am a corrupt man. My thoughts at times are my own and not His. And yet I know, because of his son and what he has done, I can find redemption. Amen. Please join me. Our Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just praise your name. And we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the examples set forth in your, in your word here that points us to your glory. That points us to the way that uh, you would have us go. It points us that uh, we know we need you. That you are very, you're very life itself. Lord, I pray for the hearts here that they aren't hardened like Pharaoh's. But they are opened. That they are not hearts of stone, but hearts of flesh. 
so that you may grab hold of them and break them and rebuild them in the way that you see fit, that you fill them with your love and mercy. Lord, I just praise your name and thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.